Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to The Brave Place. I am your host, Christy Rodriguez, and I am so excited because I have just one of the most beautiful souls with me today. Mm -hmm. Um, She inspires me with her words. Whether she's speaking or whether she's writing, she's just so incredibly creative and gifted in expressing thoughts and powerful just ideas about God and who we are as his people and his kids. And I'm just so grateful to be sitting here with you, Susie Eller. Welcome to The Brave Place. Wow. Thank you. I I feel pretty honored. Just just so people know that are listening, I know it's COVID season. Just so you know, we are being safe we are. Susie is about, what, eight feet away from me? I am. I promised her we would make sure we stayed away from each other. We've got cords strewn across <laughs> the stage. The stage. And uh, we're trying to be, you know, proactive during Rona COVID-19, <laughs> which I, freshman 15, you know, I believe the 19 and COVID is COVID-19 because I, yes, all <laughs> I've the way. put on about probably 19 pounds, maybe not that many, but it's getting close. I'm doing the same. Well, truly, there is no other year like this year where we need some joy in our lives. And Susie just came out with a book. It just hit the shelves. It is called Joy Keeper. And who doesn't want that? First of all, what made you even want to write a book about joy? You know, what's going to be funny is that it's actually sorrow. (laughs) Oh, man. That caused me to write a book about joy. I didn't realize as I walked through a incredibly difficult year that my version of what joy was, was a little off, Mm. you know, because Mm. sometimes we tie joy to circumstances or how we feel in a given moment. But when you're in a place to where every time that you take a deep breath and think it's going to be better now, and then you realize it's not, that's a place of sorrow. Mm. And yet biblically, We see that sorrow and joy waltzes together. Mm. And so I discovered an an entirely different way to look at joy and also to live a life marked by joy. And out of this came this book, not knowing that I was going to live this yet another year once I turned it in. Mm. Well, and, and we're going to talk about some of that, sure. too. Um, and I, I'm, I really can't wait for listeners to hear what you're going to share just about your own personal um, moments of, of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's going to bring a lot of hope to those listening. So if you are listening, you're going through a really tough time right now. Please hang with us because Susie just has some great truths she's going to share with us. And, and I, I do want to give a little background on Susie. I, I did not do that. I just said, what's up, Susie? <laughs> so... <laughs> Susie is a best-selling author. This is book number 11, Uh right? And um, she's a Bible teacher. She's a podcaster. She's the co-host of More Than Small Talk podcast, along with Holly Girth and Jennifer Watson, two of just 
the coolest people that True. I know. And uh, this popular podcast uh, reaches women all around the world. It's a part of the KLRC Podcast Network, which is also um, the Brave Place. We are part of that same network. Susie served with Proverbs 31 Ministries for 14 years as a writer and a speaker. She has been featured on numerous media outlets, such as Focus on the Family, 100 Huntley Street, Aspiring Women, K-Love, Daystar, and many others. Susie has been married to Richard for 40 years. She is a mom to three grown children and their spouses. She's in love with six littles. I call her. I really, really am. They call you what, Gaga? They call me Gaga. Yeah, it's it's not where we started, but it's what they (laughs) gave me. So whatever they call me, it's awesome. It's whatever they want, right? Yeah. Spoken like a a true Gaga. (laughs) Uh, Susie's favorite things to do are hiking and kayaking. That's what I'm talking about. Or dancing to the music at the farmer's market with her littles. Yeah, watch out. Because I don't have moves. I just, (laughs) I have desire. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you, girl. I am the same way. Um, Well, I want to move on in about this book. And and one of the things that moved me about this book that I just thought was so cool is there's this vulnerability and transparency Mm -hmm. always in your writing, which is why I'm such a big fan of reading your words. Uh, You you really draw the reader in just with your personal stories. You're real. Mm -hmm. And it is something all readers can relate to. And I think it immediately puts a reader to ease and makes them feel like they are in a safe space. Yeah. And and they can trust you. Yeah, and what you're saying. And so that that to me is already just such a gift in and of itself. And and but you take it a step further in this book, Joykeeper, where you have these pause moments where mm-hmm. you encourage the reader to reflect on what you've said and really dig deep within their own hearts about where they are. It just really sets up this roadmap and for healing. I've read it twice because there are so many jam-packed truths throughout. One of the things you say in your book, you say joy is more than a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's a knowing. Yeah. So can you unpack what you mean by that statement? Sure. I think that there's a lot of pressure put on us, and sometimes we put that on ourselves, and sometimes others put it on us, to always feel a certain way. And we tie that with being godly or faith-filled. And, you know, as I look through Scripture— I see time after time after time where the Lord acknowledged the feelings, which I love, Mm. so they matter to him. But then he helped them step into what they knew. Think about Jesus standing outside the tomb with two sisters, and their brother is dead. Now listen, he knew that in the next half an hour, Mm -hmm. let's say, Mm -hmm. that Lazarus Mm -hmm. is going to walk from that tomb. Mm -hmm. But what does Jesus do? Even knowing the outcome, Mm. He wept with them. Yeah. He stepped into the midst of how they felt. Mm. He saw their grief. He acknowledged their loss, and he wept with them. Mm. That's our That's right. Jesus. That's right. And yeah. he also said, as he stood with the disciples who were grieving because he was about to leave, mm. yeah. and he said to yeah. them, I am praying that you will have my joy and that my joy will be made complete in you. Mm. And he said that by starting out, though, I know that you're sad. Mm. You know, and I'm paraphrasing, I, mm-hmm. but I, I see your grief. I see your loss. I see your uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking over you these words that you may have my joy mm-hmm. and that my joy, not not the world's joy, not 
joy tied to your circumstances, but joy that is so deeply rooted, deeply grounded in who I am, that in the midst of some of the hardest places of your life, joy is birthed through sorrow. You're launched through sorrow. You find destiny and purpose through sorrow. Mm-hmm. I'm going to walk to a cross in sorrow. Mm-hmm. And yet, all of humanity is going to be freed. Mm-hmm. And there will be joy because of that. One of the greatest definitions that I saw as I began to study this, and it is that joy is when we consciously walk into God's love and care. Mm-hmm. Consciously. We consciously walk it's, it's into a, God's it's a love conscious and effort, care. Yes, a decision, a choice. Mm-hmm. And and I have to say that in this last year, Christy, I I never want to put myself out there as man. I have all the answers, or I knew exactly what to do. It was a hard year. Yeah, and that's the year you called scarred. It was the year I called scarred. Tell me, and, yeah, tell us about that. Sure, it, you know, and then we'll talk more. I walked into another year of, of craziness after, but so it just felt like that the enemy was swinging wildly at everything that I held dear, you know, everything I loved. I had a daughter that found out that she had breast cancer, and I I was a breast cancer survivor at the time. I was in my early 30s also when I found out I had it. And so I walked through that with her. And it's different when it's you as opposed to your child. Mm-hmm. Grown, mm-hmm. not grown. And suddenly I'm on this place to where I'm just looking at her while she sleeps and after she's gone through surgery and she's gone through all that she's gone through. And I'm just in such a place of hope and trust and grief and mm. loss and sadness that she's having to walk through what I had to walk through at her same age. But she got better, and the news was good, and we were on the other side of that. And then um, I went in one day, you know, just a, a regular appointment, and they saw this little place on my arm. It was no big deal, except for it was. Mm-hmm. It was melanoma. And I just remember when they they took like a four-inch chunk out of my shoulder, and um, it looked gnarly. Like, I really <laughs> earned some some stripes there because it was such an <laughs> ugly, big, huge, um, massive scar. But I just thought, man, there's other places on my body that a four-inch reduction would have been so much better. <laughs> but, you know, I went through that, and oh I went through God. surgery, and then when I went in to get those stitches out, I remember the dermatologist taking this blinding light and putting it on my face. And he said, hey, I think I see something. Back to surgery. More, you know, Mm. more stitches, more more scarred. And all of that, I got on the other side of that. And then I I thought, okay, this is, this has been a tough year. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But look, we're on the other side of it. Things Mm -hmm. are great. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And one night, uh, my husband and I were just hanging out with friends, and this was pre-COVID. And my husband got a phone call, and it's not unusual. He's a counselor, so he went upstairs. But he stayed up there a long time until after our friends left. And he came down and asked me to sit down. And our son had called to say that he was in a desperate, desperate place. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. From the outside looking in, things were great. His marriage was successful. His, you know, business was successful. Mm-hmm. But he was in a dark, dark place. Mm-hmm. And that started 
months and months. And it, it's still going on today in the sense that he is such a miracle and it'll be his story to share one day. Mm-hmm. But miracles are often birthed in the trenches and in the the muck and the mire and the hardest places and tears. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself in a place where I just got angry at the enemy. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got to back up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to get off my family. Yeah. You know, get off me. That's one thing. But get off yeah. my family. Right. And I found myself laying on the carpet just wailing before God and say, I don't understand this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to fix it. I didn't mm-hmm. see this coming. Mm-hmm. Cancer's hard, mm-hmm. but addiction mm-hmm. is a whole different story. Mm-hmm. And I'll just throw this in too, just because I want to be very vulnerable with your with your listeners. The one thing that I had asked God for is that I could give my children something better than I had been given. Mm. And I wanted to be a good mom. And i tell you how the enemy attacked me during this time. Because it wasn't my battle. It was my son's battle. Mm-hmm. But anything, addiction hits a whole family. Sure. Absolutely. And I remember laying there and the enemy just speaking lie after lie after lie. But like, if you were a good mom, this wouldn't have happened. Mm. How can you be a good mom and not know? Mm. And I was just in this place of such assault Mm-hmm. And had to turn around and come back at that with truth and say, listen, God loves my son more than I ever did. And mm-hmm. I love him with my whole heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to trust him. And I know I'm not big enough to fix this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be blind faith in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be messy and hard. And there's consequences that he is going to walk through. But I'm going to trust God. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. You know, just just knowing you in the past, I don't know, we've probably known each other, what, three years? Yeah, maybe? three or four. Three or four. Yeah. I've, I've been around at these random times with you yeah. when, you know, you have been assaulted mm-hmm. by the enemy, when your family has been hit. Yeah. And it has seemed absolutely hopeless. Yeah. Like, there is just no way. Yeah. And it, especially this the situation with your son, and and I know one day I'm going to have him on here because I would love to yeah. for people to hear his story because it's just so powerful, and and that's for him to tell and for it him is. to share. Mm-hmm. I know you do uh, disclose some information, just like you said, and yeah. and and in that dark period, yeah. um, what I watched just looking in is you know, and you talk about it in your book a little bit um, where you and your husband, Richard, you get this desperation call from him yeah. and you drive. Mm-hmm. Y'all both get in the car and drive. Mm-hmm. And and I love how you both handled this because you gave your children this ability to take responsibility for their own lives, sure. but you walked alongside of them and yeah. you were there every step of the way in the midst of you having this just unknowing, the sadness, all of it. Yeah. But you still chose to take the step towards God. And give him the reins in the situation. You're like, I I, I can't control this. I can't do anything. But I know what I can do is love my son in the midst of this. And my daughter-in-law. Love my my daughter-in-law in in the midst of this. And and pray my guts out. And and those are some hard, hard prayers, especially whenever you're just like, I don't even see how this could even ever work out again. And with that, you still just kept 
taking that next right step towards God. And it was very inspiring to me. And and now here we sit a year and a half later, and I have seen the fruit of these prayers, this blind faith. You know, before we even came on today recording, you were sharing with me um, stories about that. And I know readers are probably like, what is it? Just tell us. (laughs) And I'm sorry. I'm leaving you hanging. It's their story to Um, tell. But there's so much hope. But I mean, I was in tears before we came on here. And normally, if I'm asking someone questions, I might rattle something within them that might cause them tears. But (laughs) Susie shows up and she's got me crying over here. And I'm like, I'm a wreck. I can't even do this podcast now. Um, Just because of God's faithfulness um, in this situation. And and in your book, you describe it where you were on your face. um, Your face is in the fibers of the carpet. (laughs) I mean, you are just laid out. You're so desperate to understand why, to know the answers and, and just, you know, it's that huge W, you know, H Y all caps. Why? Well, and, and it's interesting because that's why I called it the year called scarred is, you know, I felt like that my heart was scarred. I felt like my family was scarred. Mm -hmm. I felt like my body was scarred. I felt like my, my daughter was scarred and, and yet God's faithfulness through it was, so incredible. But sometimes when we say that, we think that, oh, well, she had a nice, you know, red bow to tie on the end of that. <laughs> and, and, and that's not how this works. Sometimes when you walk through a year of sorrow mm-hmm. or a season of sorrow, I, I think of it like this. You know, when you think of a child who is given a balloon at a party, what's the first thing that's going to happen to that balloon? Like it's going to go into the sky. They're going to lose it. <laughs> Or it's going to go in a tree and pop or whatever. And yet an adult will kneel down and tie um, that blue around the wrist of that child. And that's how I felt that year. And if you look at the cover, you'll see that this is where this came from when you see these red balloons. Okay. Is yeah. I felt like during that year called Scarred, I had two choices with joy. One is it, it was just going to be gone. It, it just was, it was just going to fly away, be gone. Or I was going to try to hold on and manufacture it in such a way that I just pop it, you know? <laughs> um, and I feel like that the Lord just tied joy gently around my wrist. Mm. And that wherever I went, whether I had my face mashed in a carpet or I was in a car just crying before the Lord or it was a mountaintop day, whatever it was, that joy followed me mm. wherever I went. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, again, it didn't look like what we say joy is. Mm-hmm. This was mm-hmm. deeply rooted, deeply grounded joy that was tied to a source bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It was the reality of God's goodness mm-hmm. in the midst of bad places. Mm-hmm. And so that's in my head. That's how I came to see it. Mm is that, Lord, right now, as far as my circumstances, there is nothing good about them. Mm-hmm. But the reality of your goodness in the midst of this, that's my source. Mm-hmm. And Jeremiah talks about this. It says that when that tree is, you know, that the heat comes and the drought comes, and but because the roots are in the water, that not only, I love this, not only does the tree live and the tree have green leaves, but the tree is fruitful. 
Mm. And that's that's a that's a huge distinction. It's not just that, man, we're hanging in there and we're going to live and we're going to survive. We're going to look like a little twig at the end of it. <laughs> but not only are we going to have those green leaves, but because of the source, we're going to be fruitful mm-hmm. in that season. And it may not look like what you think it's going to look like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you're going to be fruitful. When you describe just that fruit, I, I think about in my own life just the most difficult times that I faced, whether it be in my alcohol addiction, sure, um, any kind of addiction I've dealt with, just sexual sin in and of itself. Uh, I just, I, I look at today and truly, I feel like I'm walking around, uh, I, I don't even recognize that person anymore. Yeah. And there was so much sorrow and despair in the yeah. midst of that and the fight of that. Um, but all along, God was working and shaping and molding me and transforming me. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I see the fruit of that. And and I think he, he will continue to do that in the next mountains that come in front of me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's true for all of us. And there, there is always going to be another mountain. There's a song, it's Refining Fire, but it mm-hmm. just talks about how we are constantly being refined by the Lord. And he yeah. does it in all these unique ways. And we hate the refining. (laughs) Um, But if we can come to this place where we welcome it and we treasure the refining because we know, man, the fruit and and the power that's going to be a result of this is just so worth it. What if we walked in our pain and just said, thank you, Jesus. I know there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I trust you. Thank you, Jesus. You're refining fire in my life. You are yeah. doing this. It's and and, and I, I just see that so apparent in your life. And it's amazing to sit here with you today and just see the fruit from those trials, your daughter, your own trial, your son and daughter-in-law. And it really is remarkable so much that I you know, was crying before we even started the interview. <laughs> um, now, Getting to the root more of this knowing aspect, because you're talking about this undercurrent of of knowing in the mm-hmm. midst of the trial. And, and I have this picture in my head of someone, you know, floating down the river and you can't see the current underneath them, but it keeps them moving. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and that's what I feel like God does for us. He's yeah. this undercurrent that keeps us moving in the midst of the, of the rapids, yeah. right? Which leads me to my next question, because... Obviously, when I when I listen to you and other people listening, they they hear a woman who knows yeah. who she is. When someone says, "Well, you're, I hear all this," like you're still speaking in faith because you are. Um, you're still speaking in faith, <laughs> um, but there's someone that feels so hopeless. She's like, "I can't even, you know, rattle out those words right now." They're like, "I don't know how to to get to that level of depth of knowing." Yeah. Where, you know, so what do you, how do you get to that place? Well, first of all, I, I just want to say there's many times where I don't know, mm. just to, just to put that so out good. there. Yeah. But one of the things that I begin to realize is that there were a series of joy stealers mm. that yeah. we have to confront almost daily, especially when we're in that hard season, especially when we're in a world that is very negative driven, mm-hmm. um, or we're trying to affect and impact change and it's not coming mm-hmm. as quickly or in the way that we hope that it will. And so we, we confront those joy stealers and that's where we step from what we feel to what we know. All throughout Joy Keeper, I share 
just one Joyce dealer after another. Mm-hmm. And I, I found these not by just sitting around and making them up. I did it first by living it, but I also invited people in mm-hmm. because we all have different Joyce dealers. Mm-hmm. We all have different things that can knock us down. Mm-hmm. And I began to talk with friends and with women and just say, you know, what gets in the way mm-hmm. of joy? Mm-hmm. And it was amazing the amount of traps that mm-hmm. an enemy who wants to take our joy mm-hmm. throws in our way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me, when I think about being sad or angry or confused or frustrated or despair, I want to acknowledge that feeling and say, Lord, this is how I feel. And that matters to you. But God, this is what I know. <laughs> That's right. This is what I know. I know who you are. I know who I am because of you. I know that you have a plan for my life, and it's not tied to my daily circumstances or a season that I didn't ask for. I know that you care. I know that you're a shelter. I know that you are God and I am not. I mean, there's so many things. And in the book, I I brought it down to six of those knowings so that when that moment comes and we're feeling a certain way and our feelings are big, we confront those joy stealers that try to take us down Mm -hmm. so that we can step into what we know Mm -hmm. and live a life marked by joy. And I just want to say something really quick, Christy. Mm -hmm. When we look in the book of Acts, we find the early church, they're under persecution. They don't know from day to day what life is going to look like. They don't know from day to day whether they're going to have what they need or where they're going to sleep. They also have lost a lot of stuff that really mattered to them, people, because they're now living a different faith than the one that maybe is acceptable to those they love. Mm. And yet in the midst of this, I love this, and I believe it's Acts chapter 5, where onlookers are looking in at this body of believers who are ordinary people and saying, hmm, I don't know what it is that they have. But they have something, mm. and we want it. Yeah, and that drew in thousands of people. Mm. I think that is so powerful and such wisdom. I just want to ask you personally: sure. like, is there a specific joy stealer in your own life that keeps cropping its ugly head up that you keep seeing and you keep <laughs> combating? Like, you know, the word says, "Satan yeah. is the accuser day and night," and so he knows our weaknesses, and he <laughs> he does he starts firing at that every chance he can. So, what what is a joy stealer that that you feel it keeps showing up? That if I don't hold up the whole world, that somehow everything will fall apart. Mm. Like it's on your shoulders. It's on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's on my shoulders. It's my job. And that's impossible. Mm -hmm. That's absolutely impossible. Mm -hmm. And so I meet that with the joy keeper, that when I set down any assignments that are not mine, Mm. I'm free to fully step into those that are. Mm. I love that. In your book, you mentioned uh, the words chalk line faith. Yeah. At first, I thought, what are we, it's like a dead body? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Yes. And so, tell me yes. what you mean by chalk line faith. I do mean a dead body in a sense <laughs> because it is absolutely dying to mm-hmm. all the things that you think you need to do. Um, so, I have taught for years. If, if anybody has ever read books or, or followed me uh, on, on social media, I have talked about 
staying within your ranch, which is one thing. Everything within me, like there's a fixer who lives in me, and she and I are on very close terms, (laughs) and I have had to um, address her over the years, over and over again. Uh, Because the more that we try to be in control, the less in control we really are, Mm -hmm. you know? And so Chalkline Faith came as an image one day when I was really praying about how to, what I needed to do, what I could do. And I looked down and in my head, I saw a chalk line, you know, just imagined a chalk line around my feet. And I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, this is what you can do. And no more. Wow. (laughs) Chalkline faith, which means that my voice can't be louder than God's in somebody else's ear. Mm. It means that when I'm starting to go down a path where I'm going to fix something or do something, the question comes, is this God's assignment? Is this their assignment? Mm-hmm. And if it's not yours, Susie, mm-hmm. it's not yours. Right. You know? And so I... I, I'm still in Chalkline Faith. It's actually it's probably one of the most freeing things I've ever lived in because it, it seems really confining. But again, I said this earlier, when we put down the assignments that were never ours in the first place, mm. when we stop playing the roles that were never ours in the first mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. we're free to fully step in and do what is our assignment mm-hmm. and to play what is our role mm. as we allow God to be God mm. because we're not. And I think mm-hmm. sometimes we get confused on things that are good. Yeah. We immediately think, well, that's from God or that's of God sure. or I should keep doing this because this is good. Sure. And and so I think I really appreciated that you brought this up in the book because in my own life, I've had to say no to some things yeah. that I'm like, wow, that, that's that feels like it might be from God because it's just so good. And, mm-hmm. and when I reevaluate it, I'm like, I don't know that it is. No. Um, even though it's still good. Yeah. Um, and so there is something there that we need to be able to uh, discern, especially in the society we live in where we're able to juggle. And we can talk to 18 different people in five minutes yeah. through our texting, through social media. There's social media. Oh, you can talk goodness. to millions yeah. if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, but the world never stops now. It doesn't. It's so hard to escape unless you literally go on airplane mode. Yeah. But with that, it's uh, brought on this ability to be incredibly productive, mm-hmm. and which has also produced a culture of I can do more, I can do more, mm-hmm. I can do more, mm-hmm. um, which has, I believe, um, set us up in a sense to harm us. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're not careful, because it does, it takes away that margin because we're like, but I could, I could do this and I can do this and I can do this and look at the productivity and, mm-hmm. and the accomplishments here. And, and it's easy to get, uh, wrapped up into that. And, and we do, there's a good heart in a lot of that, Yeah. but at the same time we can miss God in the whole scene doing God things we can miss him yeah. um, because of that lack of margin. And so tell me how important that is, just the resting and the filling up in your life. You know, how do you rest and fill up? You know, I I loved that one of the definitions of joy that I found that kind of wove throughout scripture was rest. So the way that I rest is that I have to not be all, do all, 
And saying that, somebody might think, well, Susie, did you go from like Proverbs 31 and writing books and speaking to being a sloth? I did not Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) because that's not who I am and it's not how I'm wired. What I did is, is I now had time to play. Mm. I needed to be able to be, again, a joy noticer. There's a difference between being in ministry all the time and somehow that becoming a a sense of yourself. Sure. This is who I am. This is how I identify. It's not your identity. Mm -hmm. My, My calling is to wake up every day hear the voice of the Lord and say yes over and over again. That's my calling. It's not Susie the author, Susie the podcaster, Susie the gaga. It is Susie the Jesus follower. And when I wake up in the day, this is a question I ask the Lord every day. What can I do today to bring you joy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) It might be that a friend called and we wept and we laughed and we talked about him together And I will feel that. Or I'm holding Josiah, who's just lost like six teeth, and it's hilarious, you know, (laughs) to watch him try to eat corn or anything. But to have him and him grab my hand and want to run down to the creek and throw rocks. Mm, That's right. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. I rest by tapping into that part of me that God created to play. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so, so important that we remember that. Um, you know, I think people get wrapped up into, and, and I've been guilty of this, you know, like, what am I called to do? What is my calling? Like, who am I? What is God's purpose for my life? And and I love how you, you rein it in and narrow it down to, it's really this simple. It's about waking up and saying, Lord, how can I bring you joy? Like, yeah. what do you have for me today? Yeah. I mean, you know, what we really truly have is only today. Yeah. Um, but our calling and purpose is really played out in a variety of ways yes. that are all unique and different every single day. Yeah. What miracle do you want to do in me or through me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there somebody on your heart? Yeah. And that may be my own daughter who just needs, you know, a break from right. two energetic boys or might be a text to a friend. You just never know. Yeah. You never know. All the things that I think we're going to hold up one day before the Lord to say, I did this and I did that and I did that. First of all, what he did for us eclipses anything we could ever do for him. But I think we're going to be surprised when he says, you know, awesome, <laughs> but... You know, this moment right here that seemed insignificant, Mm -hmm. that had eternal impact you couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think, I mean, it's in the little things, the everyday little things um, that we overshadow, like where we say that's not a calling, but actually it is the calling. It is the calling. That is it. Listen to his voice daily. Say yes over and over again. We had someone drop. You know, I was going through a hard time. They didn't even know it. Yeah. They dropped these little cupcake things. My mm-hmm. favorite kind of cake. It's, oh my gosh. Those I'm bunch thinking about cakes it. I'm, that... I, I got to leave. I just got to get off this podcast right now. See, I, I know what you're talking about. And suddenly, <laughs> like, I'm very hungry for cake because I know exactly yes. what you're yes. talking about. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it, but it's in those little bitty moments. Yeah. You know, you, someone drops these, my favorite nothing bunt cakes. I'm just going to throw yes. it out there. That's yeah. No, called. I knew exactly. There's nothing that tastes like the, I mean, they are the They're pinnacle so of, yeah. And so shout out to nothing bunt <laughs> cakes. Just shout out to them right now. They're not paying me for this. They don't have to. They're not. Um, 
Uh, but we would like cake delivered. Yes, um, the brave place. <laughs> KLRC. Um, no, but it's those little moments. Those are the calling. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I just, I love it that, that you get that. And inviting the Lord into every part of that. That's right. You know? That's right. I love it. Well, listen, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day. You you are just a soul sister to me, and I'm just so grateful and blessed that you are in my life. And Same. Thank you for hanging out here at The Brave Place. And if our listeners want to connect with you or purchase a copy of Joykeeper, I'm on Facebook as Suzanne Eller. I'm on Instagram as Suzanne.Eller. And you can find me on my blog or my website at SuzanneEller.com. But you can also find everything, including a free chapter that you can download and some other freebies at joykeeper.me. Fantastic. Susie, you know I love you, and I can't wait till we get to hang out again. I will see you soon, and hopefully uh, we won't be eight feet apart forever. Agreed. Let's go kayaking. Let's get some cake. (laughs) That's my love language. (laughs) Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of The Brave Place. And last but not least, next time, you don't want to miss it. We are going to venture into the wonderful world of introverts and extroverts as we explore the different personalities. It's going to be a fun one. We'll be sitting down with author Holly Girth as she discusses her latest book, Don't Miss It. And if you enjoy listening to these podcasts, please subscribe subscribe, rate us, comment in your favorite podcast app. And if you have a brave story or just some feedback about these podcasts, please email me, Christy at thebraveplace.org. I'd love to hear from you. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at thebraveplace.org. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.